Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Hi, I'm Barbara Anderson, and I'm joined with my co-host and business partner, Janet Craig. Today is the second in a two-part series where we are helping companies identify what they can do to respond to the coronavirus or COVID-19. Today's episode, we're gonna talk about how companies can respond from a corporate social responsibility perspective. We'll share some resources, some examples of what companies are doing and how this can be something that will eventually add value to your company, even in this time of crisis. So we welcome you today to our webinar called Coronavirus, Company Responses and Resources. Janet? I think it is a good time to talk about things that you should ask yourself to prepare for crisis in any situation or even how any unseen um, disaster can affect your company. And what we've put together is a nice set of questions that will help guide any conversation to, um, for companies in order for them to respond to just about anything that comes their way. That's right. So um, as we've shared in another episode, this is a, such a trying time for everyone. And uh, our, our corporate social responsibility and business leaders are really on the front lines in terms of responding in, for their company, trying to do the right thing, trying to navigate this, uh, this new environment, which very few were prepared for. And so as Janet and I looked and saw that people were struggling, we said there's got to be a way that we can help. And so this is our way to help is to share some practical ways. We've got five different steps that companies can go through and take into consideration. And this is the second in what we called yesterday was the company's response. Today's episode will be a little bit more on what the company can do from a social perspective, um, what we call corporate social responsibility. This is in support of our podcast, Creating Responsible Companies, and we are being uh, responsible ourselves, actually broadcasting from our homes using Zoom instead of our normal studio, right? So, um, so what we shared yesterday, and we'll have this available on our website at destinationbetter.com, are some resources that companies can use. Um, we've got some tips here, some URLs for those who are just listening to the audio. Um, guidance for employers. We've got a corporate aid tracker. These are both resources provided by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the U.S. Chamber Foundation. Um, ways that companies are responding, and we'll re and we'll cite some of those today. Uh, also, LinkedIn is doing a really great job of keeping up with what companies are doing, and in hopes that these, um, as we're all trying to figure this out, these might be resources that will help um, you or anyone in a role that's responsible for this to be able to figure out what to do. Uh, we have a page here for philanthropy's response. Uh, the organization Candid has a great running list of philanthropic ways that organizations are responding. And we'll share some examples of how some companies are partnering with uh, nonprofit organizations who either have the skills or resources or can help them facilitate a response um, from a uh, contribution perspective. And then our friends at visit.org are keeping a list of organizations um, and resources that uh, people can tap into where their business is typically to take people on volunteer vacations or, or to give back in an on-site way. They've shifted to do that. 
And then some links um, and resources here in terms of government assistance, uh, small business administration, uh, and also personal ways to tap in. So uh, anything else on that, Janet? I, I would just like to say that I think um, the list here is really amazing and that as companies, well, as people go through and take a look at some of the things on that list, don't forget to document. If you find someone who's done a really great job and you want to contact them afterwards to tap into what they've done, people in corporate social responsibility and just people in general during this time are going to be happy to share their ideas and resources. So document, bookmark, use the questions that we're gonna give you today to um, kind of get your um, post response ready. Yeah, I agree. This is something that could be used in the future for other types of disasters. So what we uh, covered in the previous episode, episode 13, is what companies should consider in their company's response. Um, and so we won't go into this now, but the five topics are how this has impacted your business and industry. Number two is what do the next 30, 60, 90 days look like for your organization, for your role, for um, what your company can do to respond? Third is what opportunities do we see during this time? Um, we know that a lot of companies have had to shift their business model, and um, so perhaps it presents an opportunity to fill a new need. And then fourth is uh, what do we need help with? We as business leaders often don't think about asking for help, but this is a time that you can actually foster relationships and make progress by asking for help and putting yourself out there. And then last, what have we learned that we can share with others that would help others? So it's a time where even on a day by day or even hour by hour situation right now, we are faced with trying to make decisions and trying to come up with how we can respond. And so this is um, one time that'd be great to, to share what you've learned and not keep that as proprietary information. So Janet, what else do you have on this before we jump into the company's CSR response? I would just like to say that yesterday on our episode 13, we covered in a little bit deeper detail what is on the screen right now. So the five questions that just Barbara just went over. And we also created an infographic for you that's available on our website so that you can use that as a guide. Yep, so that'll be a handy little tool. And we'll have one for today that we'll share at the end and it'll also be on our website at destinationbetter.com. So as Janet and I thought about what companies should consider in their CSR response, we again have five different ways. We wanna make this meaty enough that it's gonna be of value, but also something that you can process and put in a framework that hopefully you can take and use this as a resource. So number one, when we think about who, um, and this is when we talk about corporate social responsibility, we talk about how the company can respond using both the company's assets and also um, anything philanthropic or, or financial resources. So we'll go through that. So when we think about how to respond, you've got, I, I would imagine people inside of companies have got information coming at them from all different angles, trying to um, determine what the best use of their time, their resources, their talent. And um, first is to think about who um, can we tap into help the cause. So think about the relationships that uh, your organization or you or your leaders have developed over the years. Now is a good time to tap into those. Those are investments that can be leveraged, especially as we think about 
the speed of getting things done. We've got day by day lives being lost. What can be done um, to, who, who can you use maybe in the course of your process and thinking that can help to expedite? And number two is think across all of your stakeholders. And when Janet and I talk about stakeholders, we talk about anybody inside and outside of the company who has impact as a result of your organization. So think about your supply chain. How are they being impacted? You're gonna need them down the road. Um, so is there a way that maybe you can do something now to help facilitate their success or maybe even um, help them to stay in business? What about people on your board of directors? A lot of times those individuals have incredible relationships and connections and can get things done quickly. Often they say, you know, it's more of who you know than what you know. And then nonprofit relationships. The nonprofits who are out there who are um, on the day-to-day -day really on the front lines of serving people with addictions and with food challenges and um, paying their electric bills or their energy bills or water bills, think of all across all of your stakeholders, your employees, um, your people in your community. And so who can not only maybe is in need, but who can you partner with to help get things done? So Janet? One of the exercises that we use, I think that's really helpful, especially because not everyone um, looks at data like I do. And sometimes there are creative thinkers who like a more of a visual process. So one of the things that Barbara and I do when we work with our clients is we make an A circle, a B circle, and a C circle. So the A circle are your stakeholders that you have direct impact um, in connections with. That would be suppliers, employees. And then you think about your stakeholders that you have an indirect impact on. And then in the C circle are your stakeholders that you have, um, that you influence. So if you look at them graphically, maybe just have a big poster board up somewhere that everybody can add things to, you'll start to see the relationships. And it's really helpful to do that so that you're not just thinking in your head, I've got this list of people that I need to talk to. Make an A circle, a B circle, and a C circle, and you'll start to see how those relationships and connections kind of cross over and gives you a little bit better of an idea about how your um, company and your activities actually influence a much wider circle, and it may open up um, some ideas in your, uh, in your company and your team for other ways to partner. Very good. So as we think about who often too, um, companies will, when they don't have an answer for who in terms of how to respond philanthropically or how to help the cause, um, will, or will contribute to like a consolidated effort. So there's one that's now called the Solidarity Relief Fund. And this, by the way, is being recorded on March 27th of 2020. Um, so this is a large fund that the philosophy is that the company can contribute to it. People who are in the know, who are doing this day in and day out will make the best decisions and use that money the most wisely. And when we think about our stakeholders, for example, Janet, many may or may not know is a musician. So musicians are coming together with like a, a music relief fund, for example, Spotify contributed to that because their stakeholders are musicians who provide resources for them to be able to 
uh, play their music and, and to broadcast that. So they're investing in that. And a lot of musicians with bars and restaurants closed are um, unfortunately not playing. Or they're, well, they're doing some cool things though. There's some local restaurants in our, where Barbara and I are based in St. Petersburg. And thank you for making a nod to our artistic community. I sure, I sure appreciate that. I miss rehearsing with my bandmates, that's for sure. But there are, um, there is one um, particular, I believe it's Ruby's Elixir in downtown St. Pete, where our musicians can't get out and play right now, but you can go in there and play if you want. And I think that they're doing some live broadcasts and there's some other ones that have um, done the same thing. And so what we're seeing is that musicians, we usually don't get to see each other because we're usually out playing. Now we're starting to get together and talk together and, and find different ways to collaborate through Zoom, thank goodness for Zoom right now. But um, but musicians can do it. We've also seen some other um, interesting ways that people are connecting with their stakeholders and um, and kind of bartenders that are doing uh, mixing classes and people that are doing um, food classes and and food you know food classes online and things like that. So we're still connecting with our stakeholders. We're just doing it in a little bit of a different way. Yep. And we, uh, I've seen some social media posts where restaurants, they're the ones that are often asked for gift certificates and that kind of thing for fundraisers. And let's not forget that they gave when, when others asked. And the last example that uh, we'll share here is HEB, which is a large restaurant, I mean, a grocer in the state of Texas. And um, they have partnered um, in their philanthropic response if you think about um, trying to make an impact where you've got a location. So if their grocery stores are across the state of Texas, who they gave their funding to from a, a relief perspective is the Texas Biomedical Research Institute, who's working on solutions and vaccinations and that type of thing for COVID-19. So um, that makes sense, right, that they give. And you think about the employees who work for Texas Biomedical Research Institute are probably customers of theirs. So think about kind of this whole uh, loop of uh, fostering relationships. So that's the who of how companies should consider in their response. Second is what. So think about what inherent resources your company has that you can contribute. So each company has different assets. They have different things that they can um, give back. So for example, skills. What skills or what information do you have that maybe nobody else has? What skills can you lend to the cause? Um, we talked a little bit about General Electric or GE and Ford partnering to um, collaborate on creating some ventilators. And so um, those are skills that both of those organizations had. Ford had the equipment, the place to manufacture them, and GE had the know-how of how to do it. And so they repurposed actually something in their car. Um, the uh, tangible, tangible business assets, so like products, machinery, facilities, in addition to the Ford and GE example, uh, Ralph Lauren actually is producing 250,000 masks and 25,000 gowns. So they've got the sewing equipment and they've got the know-how of how to secure fabric and that type of thing in a really fast way. And that's a great need that we know now. Um, financial resources. 
we talked about that in terms of contributing maybe to a larger fund or um, just knowing where resources are needed the most. So a lot of companies are contributing now to people who maybe are, are um, food, um, food dependent. Um, for example, uh, General Mills, they channeled their money to food banks. And I would imagine they're also doing some in-kind type of thing. But in um, Grubhub, who's the delivery service, they're actually waiving fees for their independent restaurant customers. So that's a great way to give for them to give back to their customers who they're going to need on the other side of this to give them a break. And that's, I think, up to a certain dollar amount, a million dollars or something like that. And then finally, in terms of what you can contribute, think about knowledge. So how to get things done, like intellectual property, which is oftentimes maybe the number one asset of a company, but how can you um, adjust that? And that's probably where the GE and Ford um, model came up with. Um, and on the financial assets, uh, what about matching employee gifts? We know employees who still have a, a good income want to give back and they want to do something that they don't know how. Maybe you have like an employee assistance fund that can help employees and if they have losses related to COVID-19, um, maybe family members or they need to travel for whatever reason, um, that's a great way. Some companies are increasing pay for frontline employees. Like for example, AT&T is giving a 20% bonus for employees who are still like in their stores and still servicing in homes and that type of thing. So there's a number of different ways that organizations um, can contribute. And uh, one example, the last one I'll give in terms of like knowledge and uh, assets is Google and think about the data and how they can reach people. So they have um, created an SOS alert to connect organizations with the World Health Organization uh, information. So what um, media information so that those organizations don't have to go out and pull it. Google's actually providing it for them. Janet? I would just like to thank AT&T because one of my children works for <laughs> AT&T in retail. And um, I know he's taking all the possible precautions that he can to keep himself safe and also keep the people that need their services up and running. So not out to them. And then um, just rounding out from a local perspective, and we touched a little bit about on this yesterday, is that we have, um, when we look at the impact on our food supply chain, which is just incredible. <laughs> when you go to the grocery stores or you see for us in St. Pete, our, our restaurants are takeout only, which is happening a lot in across the United States, we still have farmers that are producing food. And so for the farmers that are producing food, normally that food would have gone to point A. Well, now we have to figure out how to get that food still to people, but in a little bit of a different way. So using existing infrastructure and restaurants, maybe to pull, you know, clean produce and, and, and distribute it in a different way. So maybe restaurants become um, you know, fresh produce markets instead if they're not selling all of that product inside their restaurant. So keeping the, keeping our food supply chain going, keeping our economic resources going, and just finding different ways of, of doing things. Yep. And uh, talking about your son, my daughter actually is in the medical field and, and my concern about her going in and out of hospitals and nursing homes. And so, um, it's a tough time for people on the front lines and it's interesting the whole um, social impact of 
of who people who were on the front line maybe were thought of differently than like executives of companies and how now these people, the truckers, the hospital workers are really who we're totally relying on at this point. So interesting so from a social dynamic perspective. So the third part, we've talked about who and what you can contribute and then think about when. So when should your organization respond now or should it be later? And uh, our philosophy is you should consider everything, uh, short term, midterm and long term. There's gonna be needs that are gonna change. They are almost changing by the day. Um, if you think about now as almost like a triage kind of thing, kind of like the Ralph Lauren making gowns and masks, which we have people all over the country who have uh, dusted off their sewing machines and are helping to make masks on that. Um, so uh, from a short-term perspective, some examples are like Microsoft has donated software for hospitals to help them facilitate more rapid uh, transfer of information. As we've talked about now, food is in need in the short term. Um, and then think about longer term, like what about rebuilding? What is that gonna look like? And um, what can you do now that's gonna help to facilitate that? But you know, it's kind of like, what are the needs now? What are they gonna be 30, 60 days? And then what longer term, uh, both from your business and also from a social impact perspective and as it relates to even to all of your stakeholders, right? Your employees, your customers. Janet? Yeah, the only thing I have to add is keep that documentation going. I know that we're all in the middle of a crisis and it's hard to think straight sometimes, but document as much as you possibly can. And the reason that Barbara and I um, have done this and put these slides to get together is so that you can ask yourself these questions and write these notes down because in a week, some gosh, I don't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> you know, let alone a week from now or 60, sure. 90 days from now, or even if you have ideas that are, you know, innovative ideas that you or practices if you've come up with during this time that you may want to keep repeating down the line. They they tend to um, be problem solving kind of ideas that maybe will help facilitate relationships and new lines of businesses and ways to help people. So just document as much as you can and um, in having this open lines of communication with your stakeholders. Yeah, and oftentimes we look back and we're like, why did we do that? <laughs> so you kind of have to some, you have to write it down to remember. So number four is where. So which of our locations need the most support? When you think about where should you donate product? Where should you donate financial resources? And this, this is a tricky one and it can be um, very sensitive too, especially if you think about after like a hurricane, maybe one hurricane, uh, if you have a location in a, a uh, country or a city where there's a hurricane and then there's two months later, there's a flood, but you gave a certain dollar amount to one versus the other. And what does that mean? Does that mean you need, you know, you think of one higher than the other. So think about um, location specific needs. And, and a lot of times it's easy just to say, we're gonna do this for all of our locations or we're, uh, where we have offices or where we have service centers or whatever, um, but they might have different needs. And so this is a time it takes more time 
but think about how maybe you can put a team together to um, touch it, to reach out to each of those different locations and see what their needs are. Oftentimes we give solutions for something that they don't need at a specific location and resources we now are right now are quite premium. Um, for example, Amazon, in addition to providing a million dollars in masks and gloves, they actually have um, put out a fund for a million dollars for small businesses in their Seattle location, which is where they're headquartered. Um, next door, when you think about location, I think this is so clever. They've come up with kind of a um, matchmaking, if you will. It's called the Health Map. And so people who need help can post on there. So maybe it's a senior citizen that needs their lawn mowed or, or something, a pipe broke or who knows. And then there's groups. And so you can sign up to say, I would like to help. I'm sitting at home, I'm a plumber or I am um, a college student. I can run and get your medication or whatever. So I think when we think about where that's just such a great example for next door. And then last, um, Coca-Cola in the Philippines have chosen to redirect what they had originally tagged $3 million in advertising to people on the front lines and to support those needs. And we've got colleagues, very dear colleagues in the Philippines. And so that was kind of near and dear to my heart to see what Coca-Cola was doing there. I would also say that if you haven't yet leaned on your local chamber, this is a really great time to do it. I think a lot of people think that chambers of commerce are for, I don't know, big companies, or maybe they're only for small companies, but the chamber is one of the places in your community and in communities that you operate in that are tied to the entire community. They're like the spoke in the wheel, or I guess the hub, right? Exactly. The hub. And so, um, yeah, not so much. So the hub. And so for our, our local chamber here, our St. Pete Area Chamber of Commerce has done an amazing job in responding to this, bringing people together, having um, you know emails and, and getting groups of people together in related industries and putting those groups together so they can talk their way through this and, and share best practices and know that maybe six months from now we can go back and say what worked and what didn't work. So I think um, don't overlook your local chambers of commerce. I know Barbara and I have a link for the um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. A lot of your local chambers are also part of the U.S. Chamber. So I know that there's going to be a lot of um, attention on this, but don't forget that they are there and to join them and uh, get get um, kind of connected with your local community. Even if your headquarters is in New York and you've got operations all over the U.S., get someone who's in those locations to, to tap into their local chamber and see what else they can do there. Yep, and maybe even the chamber needs help too, right? Because their whole um, model has changed now. Um, we've even actually participated already in one of their online classes that they were gonna have in person. And uh, we probably wouldn't have been able to do it in person. And so it was one um, about marketing that we actually tapped into. So the last one here, um, so we've gone through who, what, when, where, and I guess that everybody can guess what the last one is, is why. So why should companies create a response from a corporate social responsibility perspective? Gosh, there's so much value here and, and we almost feel a little guilty saying that there's something good can come from this, but it is a fact of the matter. It's a huge opportunity to foster relationships. 
maybe put ourselves out a little bit more than we might normally take some risks in trying to collaborate with people in our in our um, competitive space in our supply chain um, but it's a great way to foster relationships with employees suppliers customers um, and this will be remembered for a long time we talked a little bit about the employee bonuses and and um, maybe an hourly increase for some who are on the front lines um, that will go a long way another reason is to elevate your brand and your reputation this is a fragile, delicate time. Nobody knows how long it's gonna last, what's gonna look like on the other side, but there's nothing better. Um, and Janet, we've cited in our previous episodes, what is it, the study that like 51 or 52% of a company's value? What is the, what is the? Yeah, it's, it's a, a report that EY did that showed that a, I think 51 to 52% of the, value of a company is actually held in its culture and that and what there are a lot of things that play into that culture leadership style um, management styles inside your company how people feel good about what they're doing that they're part of something bigger and also the kind of policies and practices and procedures that come under the g in environmental social and governance the g in governance um, all of those things come up underneath that and when you develop a culture that matches you know people just inherently needing to be really good human beings it is just better for your brand it's better for your company and it will help you weather the storm and we often say that companies are comprised of people and and as much as we want to think about our um, competitive nature and what we need to do to meet our bottom line at the end of the day, we are all people. So how can we help each other out in, in this time and perhaps come out with something, a whole new different product service collaboration. Um, and then the last two would be in terms of why is to be a hero in your industry. Can you bring maybe uh, people from your industry together to brainstorm uh, who has what assets to help like the cruise line, right? They've opened up their ships to uh, become floating medical hospitals and um, I, that's i think across a large part of the cruise line industry and then last and we've talked about um what's the curve um that we're trying to to flatten the curve right we're trying to flatten the curve as humans and flatten the curve that means not to have the number of cases and the number of deaths spike but to try to flatten that out so maybe think about the opposite of this is to flatten the dip for your company so it's going to be a dip we know that every company is probably going to face that except maybe the handful who are in the medical industry or healthcare. Um, but a lot of companies are facing some tough times and so how can you flatten that dip for your company and We've got um, episodes and Janet would be happy to share with you any kind of information in terms of companies who have stronger environment, social and governance or CSR um, strategies that's integrated with their business, how they've gone through tough times and actually their dip was not as deep as the general market. That's right. And one of the things that Barbara and I talk a lot about in our practice is using corporate social responsibility as a competitive differentiator. And she and I talked at length yesterday that this is not the time to use this for competitive differentiation. This is a time to find other people in your industry to break down 
those competitive walls and actually like foster those relationships to come together. So that's one thing I'd like to say about that is that now's not the time for competitiveness. <laughs> now is the time to get together and figure out how we're going to face this situation together. And the other thing about flattening the dip for my company is that I think that for companies that are going through this right now and you're going to survive and you're going to come out of this on the other end, when we do have another event, whether it be a pandemic, it could be a major hurricane event, it could be a huge weather event, something that is going to knock the breath out of your business, that you will be able to flatten the dip for your company. As long as you are prepared, um, that's why we put together a lot of these questions for the same kind of questions that we use for some of our larger clients to prepare them for things that just they may not see or things that are rare occurrences, but at least we can get them prepared and create that culture of preparedness and responsibility. And to that point, any anyone listening who is kind of at a loss or maybe would like some input or counsel or advice, just please reach out to us on our website at destinationbetter.com. There's a tab called Say Hello. We also have a dedicated we're on the say hello page. It has um, phone numbers, email, and also a way to leave a voice message. Uh, we also um, have a dedicated page on our website at destinationbetter.com with these resources. Um, we also um, are going to be publishing, as Janet mentioned at the beginning, uh, um, an, an infographic, which you can download, which might be helpful as you think about going through these steps. So we have an infographic for this uh, episode today on uh, creating your CSR response, and then the one yesterday was focused more like kind of on a holistic company response. Um, and if anybody wants to talk about this, we'd be happy um, to talk with you. Uh, we're looking at future episodes, and it could be something that's confidential, or it could be something on a podcast if you want to tell your story, especially if you've learned something along the way that might help others. We would love to have. Um, have you share that it might be a form for you that we can offer as part of our assets and what we can do to help so we do hope this um this was valuable for you as we said the resources the downloads these links are on our website at destinationbetter.com anything else to close us out there janet no other than um just keep the lines of communication open keep sharing with us ask questions go to the say hello tab please consider coming on to our podcast we'd love to share your story and how you as a guest and um that's it yep we hope everyone remains healthy and safe and um please contact us if, if there's if you have any questions about this information we're happy to share Thank you for joining us today.